there, and welcome to the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. I'm your host, Marley Sievers. With four years of high school coaching experience, six years of experience as an instructor and choreographer for the National Cheerleaders Association, and over a decade in the cheerleading industry, join me as we navigate through the world of high school coaching together. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. Today's episode is going to be about the power of positivity. Now, it has been a little while since I posted another episode, but you know how the cheer season goes. We just got started with football season. We are gearing up towards competition season, and um, there's a lot going on as far as coaching goes. So I'll just fill you in on what's happened so far in the season. We have had our summer camp. Our girls went up to UCA camp, and they did really well. Then we came back and learned our show routine choreography. We started our sideline routine, and we're gearing up towards our palm routine coming up next week. So we are in the thick of it, learning choreography, trying to perfect our routines. I will mention, too, that... I'm super proud as a coach. We actually hit one of our first full-out routines last week or the week before at a practice, and it was pretty incredible to see, so I'm really excited for how the season's going to look. We've also been cheering at football games, and we only have about four home games, but it's been really fun. The one we had last Friday was actually our homecoming game, and the boys played really well. But yes, our next home game is going to be our senior night, and we have about four seniors on our team that we will be recognizing. Anyway, this episode is going to be about the power of positivity. Something that our head coach likes to do is have our athletes do sort of a book study every season. Last year, we studied A Champion's Mind, and this year we are studying The Positive Dog by John Gordon. Now, personally, I'm more of an auditory learner, so I downloaded this on Audible. I've been listening to it for the last month, and I absolutely love it. Now, the way that he prefaces the book is that it is written so simplistically that it could be applied to anyone. Like a child could even understand the methods and techniques used for positive thinking. And I really like that idea because it makes it a lot easier for me to understand too, even as an adult. There are a few key takeaways from the book that I got and that I want to apply in my everyday life. The first would be the power of prayer and meditation. He explains that daily prayer and meditation create more positivity. Those who are more positive tend to live longer lives and are just happier in general. So why not have a happier, more positive lifestyle? And in previous episodes, I've talked about wanting to do more meditation. Daily meditation is something that I used to do all the time. And it is something that I'm looking forward to getting back into. This book kind of inspired me to reignite that passion for daily meditation. Another key takeaway that was brought to my attention by one of our athletes, because I hadn't gotten to this chapter yet in the book, was the idea of a gratitude walk. In the book, he explains that 
Every day you should go on a walk and think about what you're grateful for. Now, when the athlete who was over this chapter brought up this idea, we all kind of came to this consensus that we should incorporate this in our daily practice as well. One thing that my athletes do every single day is run a mile. And in the track above the gym, it's 12 and a half laps for a mile. So what we decided to do is every single lap, you have to tell the coaches one thing you are grateful for. And some of the stuff we hear, you know, it could be small. It could be something like makeup or water or whatever it is. As long as they're showing gratitude towards something, it opens up their heart to be more positive and thankful for what they have. I'm sure that you guys have heard that starting the day with gratitude is beneficial for many reasons. And I've heard the practices of waking up and writing three things you're grateful for into a journal. I've tried that before. You can also do gratitude practices during meditation. But we really liked this idea of having our athletes go around and say, what they're grateful for every lap they make. And I've seen a positive change in our girls, and this has only been going on for a couple of weeks. One other practice that he mentions in the book is having the ability to change your vocabulary. And this is something I've been very adamant about since I've discovered the power of positivity and meditation for that matter. In my own personal experience, I've known for a while that The words that you speak have power. They have meaning. So if I were to say, I'm broke, well, I just spoke that into existence. And now I actually could be struggling financially. That is something that I've actually eliminated from my vocabulary for the last two years. I have not said the word broke or have been very conscious about the way I'm speaking about my finances because I don't want to speak that into existence. John explains this in his own way, and he says that instead of saying this or that, you should say this, because it creates more of a positive outlook towards that situation. The two examples that he uses are really awesome, and I really want to use these every single day. The first would be to change the word stressed to blessed. I thought this was really interesting because for one of my class assignments recently, I've had to watch a TED talk about how to make stress your friend instead of your enemy. And I'll link that in the show notes. But essentially, people who view stress as a negative thing tend to live shorter lives and tend to have stress-related deaths. Now, one way to change your outlook on stress is to view it as a challenge and view it as something that you get to overcome versus something that's weighing you down. So instead of saying, I'm so stressed, you get to say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have this opportunity to overcome this challenge. I know that sounds like a big mouthful, but it really will change your mindset. And I really want to start incorporating this into everyday life. The other practice that he says for changing your vocabulary is to change the phrase have to to get to. Instead of saying, I have to go walk the dog, I get to go walk the dog. This is time that I get to spend with my pet. And I think that's great as well. Something that I've 
consciously change the verbiage to has been the get and the have to. In this last week, one example would be I get to communicate with this person versus I have to send this email. Overall, I just thought that the book was a really great example of how to apply positivity in your daily life. And towards the end of the book, he does have like an 11-day practice of positive thinking. So if you listen to it, I would apply those 11-day practices to make steps towards becoming a more positive person. The reason I'm so adamant about being a positive person when it comes to team sports is that one rotten apple spoils the whole barrel. And that seems like a funny phrase to throw into this situation, but I think it applies because last season with our team, we had a lot of ideas for creating positive change and creating a positive culture within our program, but there were still people present on the team or in the coaching staff that did not share those same positive values and beliefs in creating that positive culture. So instead of being optimistic about certain circumstances, we had pessimistic people who had their negative thoughts affecting others. And I've witnessed this firsthand. We've actually sat down and talked to our team about keeping the positive mindset recently. And many of them have said that they have teammates approach them about something that wasn't even on their mind until this person brought it to their attention. For example, one individual would be focusing on what they have to do and trying to work on their stunt. And then another individual would come in and say, I'm so tired. This practice is so long. When can I go home? And we never get a break. We're here all the time. Now that individual who's originally trying to work hard and focus on that has this thought in their head like, yeah, you're right. We never get a break. Like that kind of mindset, it's contagious. So we've actually had athletes explain to each other, to their teammates, please don't do that. Keep the positivity. If you have something to say, you can go talk to the coach or you can keep it to yourself. And that was actually a really proud coaching moment because these girls are learning life lessons about creating a positive culture. And we are striving for that culture, especially since the program that I coach is a fairly new one. So we'd like to instill that from the beginning. The author of The Positive Dog, John Gordon, also talks a lot about energy vampires. What is an energy vampire? Well, they're people who sometimes intentionally drain your emotional energy. They feed on your willingness to listen and care for them, and that oftentimes leaves you exhausted and overwhelmed. I've had a few encounters with energy vampires myself, and oftentimes it's the people that you least expect. Could be a parent, it could be a teammate, it could be a family member, and one way to keep them from draining your emotional energy is to set those boundaries. And I've talked about this before. 
in order to maintain a positive mindset and a positive environment, you should reduce your contact with energy vampires. Something I've had to learn as an adult is to cut ties with a lot of people whose values don't align with mine. And it's not necessarily selfish. It's not necessarily a bad thing. If the end result is to better your own emotional well-being and mental health. In the midst of COVID, it is hard to maintain a positive mindset. What with politics and other events going on in the world, it is challenging because your attention and your energy goes towards negative things that are out of your control. So it is hard to keep that positivity. One thing that I did as an NCA social staffer was to write an essay during the middle of COVID about what spirit means to me. To me, having spirit means having the undeniable belief that everything will work out. Spirit is the ability to focus all of your energy on the positive things around you while encouraging others to do the same. If you'd like to read more about this blurb that I wrote for NCA, I will link it in the show notes as well. To recap, I think having a positive attitude in sports is highly beneficial. Developing a positive mental attitude can help give you an edge over your competition. It can affect your cognitive functioning, your energy level, and other aspects of your performance. When negativity runs your day, it can be hard to keep the optimism that can help you succeed. I've linked an article about why positive attitude is important in sports by Elizabeth Quinn, and it just gives some tips on mental strategies for getting rid of self-limiting beliefs. Overall, being a positive thinker and having a positive mindset is going to help you in sports. It's going to help you as a coach, but it's also going to help you in life. So I challenge you to take some of the tips that we've talked about in this episode and apply them into your daily practice. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. To be notified when another episode is posted, visit the link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter. Don't forget to follow the Life of a Cheerleading Coach on Instagram and Facebook, and be sure to click the listener support button on my anchor page. Thanks again for listening, and go make a difference.